when I did come around down the hall and she came out, I didn't want to ask her. I was afraid to ask her what time or when it happened. Yeah. You know, and sure enough, it was the exact time mm-hmm. that I had been talking. This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big, miraculous ways, all the way down to small, everyday things. Hi, this is Camus, and welcome to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. And this week I have Tina Lunsford with me. Honestly, Tina has been one of those people that's seen me go to church since I was a baby. She went to church with us in Kamei, which is where I got my first Bible. So I honestly don't ever remember meeting Tina. She's just been in my life in and out. And you know, like those old people that are like, oh, hi, Camus. And you're like, I don't remember you, but I know I should know you. That's sometimes been Tina, but (laughs) good memories, good times. So Tina, how about you tell everybody where you're from? I am from, originally from California. I'm a Californian. Okay. I was born in uh, Walnut Creek, or actually Camp Stolman. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was in the military, and uh, he was stationed there at the time at Camp Stolman. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived there for a while, and because my dad was in the service, yeah. we moved all over the place. Mm. I think I've been to 12 elementary schools, two different high schools. I lived over in Europe for a while. So it was a good experience, actually, really good experience you know, yeah. when you're traveling and seeing other parts of the world and how mm-hmm. they live. So it was good until he retired, and then we retired in San Jose, California. So that's actually my home. You know, I consider it home. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I miss it, of course, not with all the people there anymore, but I used to yeah. love it there. So mm-hmm. love the weather. <laughs> I know, it's a lot better than here. Very much so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I moved to uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho when I was very young. I think I was 21. Mm-hmm. And actually, I moved up by myself. Oh, really? And uh, I wanted to get out of the crowd, um, wanted to have a little more openness. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I uh, moved to Coeur d'Alene. Uh, my first place I lived in was Post Falls. Okay. It was in a duplex. I got a job. I really got a job at Kootenai Medical as a nurse's aide, but I ended up working as a, a waitress at Iron Horse in Coeur d'Alene and made, there was more money to be made waiting tables, so that's what I did. Yeah, makes sense. And um, I uh, had my first child there. Uh, his name is Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had, I'm going to pause you right there because I feel like we're going into your testimony, and I want to pray before we do that real quick. Okay. Dear Father in Heaven, thank you for Tina and for her willingness to share her testimony. Just be with her now, Lord. Help her to have the right words to say, Lord, to just touch the ears of our listeners, Lord, and even myself. Just be with this. Help it to be a blessing to those that hear and help them to learn of your character and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So my first child, like I said, was born in Coeur d'Alene. And I named him Aaron Matthew. And... uh, Beautiful boy. Mm-hmm. And then that was actually, I had been married at the time to mm-hmm. someone else. Okay. So uh, I had him with that, mari- uh, with that marriage. And then I ended up uh, working at uh, Sambo's restaurant and I met a 
gal named Mikey, and she had a brother named Jerry, and I met him through Mikey, and we're still married. We've been married a lot of years, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we had a son, and we named him Seth, and oh. he's quite sweet. I kind of like him. Oh, that's good. You should <laughs> like your kids. Yeah, I do. He's kind of sweet. But anyway, yeah, um, my testimony as far as my walk with God, I, I have known of God since I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't go to church, and uh, my mom every once in a while would stop and tell me about the stories of Noah when she was doing housework, oh, and that was always fun. I remember sitting on stairs and listening to her mm -hmm. sit down. She'd sit down and tell me about it, and then I'd go to Sunday school with all the little kids in the neighborhood. I always liked that, too. That was kind of fun. Yeah. And uh, then as time went on, we actually we ended up in uh, Germany. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And when we went to Germany, uh, my mom was listening to the uh, It Is Written World Radio over there. Mm -hmm. And that was an Adventist you know, radio station. And uh, she was learning the Bible um, through that. My aunt, uh, Lenore, was studying with somebody called Mrs. Green. My aunt actually moved away, so she'd miss her. She didn't want her coming to the house no more. So oh. she actually moved away. To, to keep from seeing her. Oh, goodness. <laughs> then she felt guilty and called her. So it was a pretty cute story. And so anyway, uh, yeah, so I got involved with it. You know, Mom was studying and I studied. And mm -hmm. uh, then when we got back to the United States, we went to our first Adventist church when I was in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. um, we stopped there um, for a little bit and visited with my dad's brother. But... Um, I think, you know, where I really fell in love with the Lord was when I was about 10. Mm -hmm. And I went to, um, I was a Southern Baptist at the time. Okay. And I loved the Lord. And I loved hearing stories about him. You know, you got to love the Southern Baptists. They're yeah. hellfire preachers. You just got to <laughs> love them. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, so that's where I actually first realized that I had a love for God. Mm. And then when I was in San Jose, I went to uh, the central church there in San Jose. And I remember listening to a woman, this older lady at, at the time, and she was very sweet. And I, I knew then that I was pretty much where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's my story as far as being an Adventist. I became an Adventist then. Mm -hmm. But my children, um, I guess my testimony, the one that is really close to my heart, is about my son, my oldest boy. Yeah. Uh, in, on December 17th, uh, 1998, I was given, a, Aaron was home. He had been going to college there in Lewiston, Idaho, and um, Jerry and I were in Clarkston. We were trying to actually leave Kamei and just go into Lewiston and not be in Kamei. Mm. And, um so we were there. We got a phone call at night, and um, I was in bed. Jerry took the call. I was thinking he had a call out for work. Yeah. And then I heard him ask um, whoever was on the phone, is anything broken? And so when I heard that, I just got up and started getting dressed. Yeah, because that's not good news. Mm -mm. And so Jerry and I went over to the hospital at uh, St. Joseph's Regional Medical Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, they greeted us and proceeded to tell me that Aaron had fallen 
Mm-hmm. And that he had a traumatic brain injury. Oh, no. And I don't know. What do you say about something like that? You know, I, I was... Anytime they tell you they have a brain injury, you think they're going to wake up. They don't always wake up. Mm-hmm. And they always don't wake up normal. And it's a, it's a whole different world yeah. for a brain injury. Mm-hmm. So I went in to the emergency room, and I walked over, and I looked at Aaron, and he was laying there on the gurney. And I don't know if any of the girls have ever seen Aaron. Blonde and blue-eyed and tall and something to look at. And mm-hmm. when I looked at him, I just, I couldn't believe that um, this had happened to him, you know. Mm. But he did have some blood coming out of his ear. Oh. And uh, he had his red tennis shoes on, I remember that. He had Michael Jordan tennis shoes, you know. Oh. And uh, they, uh, I went over and I just, you know, kind of kissed him and mm-hmm. asked him what he did to himself because at uh, that time... There is no way you can blame God for something like that. No. God doesn't do that to anybody. Mm-mm. And he uh, I kissed him. But the doctor came out later on and told me that uh, Aaron's brain would swell and that he had 48 to 72 hours that he would probably live. Mm. It was a contra-coup, meaning he hit the back of his head and the, and the brain fell forward to the frontal lobe. Yeah. And uh, they found him under some stairs, and he had fallen on concrete, so he fell like 22 feet. Oh, goodness. And uh, the neighbor actually heard him gurgling. He wasn't sure what he heard, oh. and so he went out and looked, and it was Aaron. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I remember walking through the emergency room, and uh, I remember the chaplain. There was a female chaplain there. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was walking with me and trying to comfort me, I think. I remember I had to go to the restroom, and she went with me. And I told her, I says, you know, I says, you need to understand something. God loves him more than I ever will. Mm. And I know he'll do what's right for Aaron. Yeah, for sure. And I said, for me to say, hey, I'm selfish, I need him here, that's, I wasn't going to do that. No. You know, and, but um, uh, later on that evening, because I knew he wasn't probably going to make it, um, I actually just started going to the church in Clarkston. So I called um, Pastor Huey mm-hmm. of the Clarkston Church. I got the answering machine, and I told him what was going on. I didn't know the man. The man probably didn't know me. Because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that go to that church. Mm-hmm. And uh, no sooner had I walked away from the phone and was walking over to Aaron, and here was a call, and it was... Pastor Huey, Mm. and he called, and he came right over. Oh, that's super nice. And uh, we all met kind of in the uh, ER waiting room and uh, prayed for Aaron. And uh, then uh, he he talked with me for a little bit, and then, of course, he went on home. And Aaron was put up in the, uh, went up to the, uh, oh, went up to the ICU ward, (laughs) intensive care unit. Mm-hmm. And there he had only one nurse. He had a nurse, his own nurse. Oh, wow. And I didn't realize at the time, because I was so heartbroken, mm-hmm. that she had just lost her son in an accident. Oh. So she could sympathize with me. Yeah. And I did not know that at the time. I think it took me a couple of days before I realized, you know, why they had her in there with me. And mm-hmm. I cried with her because I just felt terrible what happened to her son. Yeah. 
But anyway, yeah, we, we, I would pray for Aaron and they said he wasn't, you know, he was in a coma and he wasn't doing real well. And they had him on a bed that twisted all the time because he had aspirated on his own vomit when he fell. So they had him on a bed and kind of rotates back, you know, around and around. Mm. And, um, and we would go in and, and I, well, I pretty much stayed there at the hospital. I couldn't really leave. But um, he um, was moved then after that and put in um, a, bed, a regular bed. And uh, about that time, uh, I had been talking to my cousin Cindy about Swanee. Have you ever heard about Swanee, Swanee Dittman? No. She's actually June Johnson's ex-daughter-in-law. Oh, really? Yeah, Swanee. Yeah, she... And I did not know Swanee. And uh, I called her, and I told her what was going on with Aaron. That, mm-hmm. they, that he, they didn't think he was going to come around. And uh, she said, you know what? Just wait there. I'll be there. Where are you? And she actually drove from, uh, oh, from a city there by Coeur d'Alene and came on up to uh, Clarkston. I met her at the Clarkston grocery store and uh, she went in and looked at Aaron and when she looked at Aaron she goes he's going to be fine let me tell you what I'm going to do for him I said really she goes yeah I says okay (laughs) so anyway we got Aaron on a green drink regiment Aaron had a tube down his throat down his nose Mm -hmm. and so uh wasn't a peg tube in the stomach. It just went through his nose down to his stomach because that's how they were feeding him. And so anyway, I would juice every single morning for Aaron. And I had herbs that I put in it. I had brain formula, cayenne, you name it, I had it. And I would give that to Aaron every single day before I went and met him. I had juiced everything and I put it in little cups and I put times on them so the nurses knew when I wanted that given to him. And I never told him I had herbs in it because, you know, they get weirded out when you're mixing stuff. But um, yeah. So I did that, and uh, uh, he had superfood, but he was still asleep. In fact, Aaron was um, in a coma for seven weeks. Wow. And they did not think Aaron was going to come around, so they gave him a peg tube, which actually goes right into the stomach. Mm. So they had just done that, mm-hmm. and he woke up. Really? Yeah, he woke up. Uh, I was at home, and I was making him his juices, and I had the nurses call me. Mm-hmm. And they said, Tina, guess what? Aaron's awake. I said, what? Aaron's awake. I said, he is? <laughs> she goes, yeah. She goes, yeah. She said, he, I was asking him questions about uh, where he lived, and he said, Lewiston. I asked him. You know, about his family, he says, well, I could have an uncle in Phoenix, and he's a doctor, and uh, and just questions, general questions, and he mm-hmm. could answer them. Wow. And uh, so I hurried up and went there, and sure enough, Aaron was awake. Mm. And, you know, he was still goofy. Trust me, he was goofier than a bed bug. <laughs> but he was awake, mm. and it was really kind of um, pleasant to see him like that. To just like be alive and be able to wake up because traumatic brain injuries it's so hard because like after they hit their brain like that you think it's up for like 24 hours those brain cells keep dying and they just... do 
The thing about medicine, and, and I worked in medicine many years. I worked at the Clearwater Valley for seven years, and I worked at Harrison Memorial for five, and I worked at other hospitals in California. So mm -hmm. I know medicine. I know pretty much. My brother's a doctor. Mm -hmm. But the problem with medicine is they don't understand nutrition. <laughs> uh, they know how to uh, take care of, like if you have, like with Aaron, you mm -hmm. know, he had a brain injury, and the only thing they could think of giving him was, oh, wow, they didn't think they gave him anything until he woke up. But they did look at his brain to see if he had, if he would, if he had any... Um, seizure? Yeah, seizures. It had to do with seizures. And usually people with brain injuries have seizures. Mm -hmm. But Aaron had nothing like that going on in his brain. Oh, that's a really no, good So sign. it was no uh, sign of him having seizures at all. So that was about the only thing. But anyway, he was there at the hospital asleep for about seven weeks. And then we sent him on over to St. Luke's up in Spokane. Mm -hmm. And... When they took him to Spokane, I took the champion because I wasn't there to give him his juices and I wanted to make sure he had his juices. Yeah. And actually the nutritionist, when she talked to me, she said, man, she said, people should care more about what their people are eating. And, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, she took it, but then she had to hand it back to me because it wasn't, you know, regulation stuff. So I got it back. Mm -hmm. And I told her at the time, I said, no, Aaron doesn't eat anything, but what I tell you, he can eat then. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was really concerned with that. And Aaron <laughs> went through some pretty crazy times. Mm -hmm. One thing I do know is um, when something like that happens, you know, you're, everybody's very sweet, you know. I mean, they tell you, you know, you know, the Lord loves you and all that. And I said, you don't think I don't know that? I do know that. Mm -hmm. I know that. But it doesn't help. Mm. You can tell me that till you're blue in the face. That don't, that don't help me. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't. And the other thing I noticed is that uh, when Aaron was at St. Luke's or St. Joe's, uh, my back kind of went out, and uh, I went and saw this gal I'd seen before. She was a massage therapist there, and was done really a sweet gal. Mm -hmm. And I called her and I told her that, you know, my back was out. And she says, well, come on over, Tina. And I said, okay. So I went over. And uh, she had real soft music playing. And she's massaging me. And I just laid there and cried. Just mm -hmm. laid there and cried. I just cried and cried and cried and cried. And she let me. Mm -hmm. And she just let the soft music play and let me cry. And when I was all done, when she was all done, I, I asked her, I says, well, what do I owe you? She goes, nothing. Mm. You don't get that a lot of times. No. And, uh, but mm. what a sweetheart. Mm. You know, I just, I can never, if, if I see her in the kingdom, I want to just thank her so much for her gift mm -hmm. to let me go in there and just cry. Yeah. The other thing is, is that when people say they pray for you, there's nothing like someone touching you mm. and being a part of that pain you're going through. Yeah. And uh, I, that was the only person that showed me that kind of attention. Mm. Isn't that sad? Yeah. But anyway, I remember her for that. 
But anyway, yeah, Aaron went up to St. Luke's, and I could only go up every other day. But trust me, every day I was on my knees, every single day. Mm. And I'd tell the Lord, Lord, you know, I know that everybody on this planet has a need. Mm-hmm. I know this. Yeah. And I know in my mind that I am just about the most insignificant person there is. Mm. And, but if you could take a minute, you know, and uh, I would go through this and just sob. I'd go through a list of names that I wanted to pray for, but then I would always go back mm. with Aaron. And I would tell the Lord that I'm not trying to um, be selfish and keep others out of my prayers, but you know he's on my heart. Yeah. He's, a, he's really on my heart. And I remember, and let me tell you, we had some pretty interesting conversations on my knee. And I did it always when I was alone. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I was just sobbing and just talking to God. And all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, I heard this voice, Tina, I'm going to heal Aaron. It's okay. Mm. Get up and go enjoy your day. So I got up and I did. I went up and uh, they had some kind of garden show there in Lewiston. I went to that. And then the next morning, I got in the car and went up to St. Luke's. And at St. Luke's, in order to get into the TBI unit, you have to call on the phone because it's locked down. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I picked up the phone. And I said, hi, I'm, you know, Tina, I'm here to see Aaron. And they go, Tina, really, that's you? Oh, you've got to come in here. And I said, what? You know, oh, you, you're not going to believe this. So anyway, I'm walking down. They open the door, and I'm walking down the hall. And the speech therapist is coming out of Aaron's room. And she goes, Tina, you're not going to believe this. Mm-hmm. She goes, Aaron's been here for a while, and we were getting ready to send him to a care center, you know, like, old folks home, a care center, because he was not coming around, you know, Mm. even though he was awake, he still was not responding. Mm. And she said, Tina, she said, you're not going to believe it. She said, it was like, it was like night and day. It was, he just changed like that. And I go, really? I go, what happened? She goes, well, yesterday morning. And she gave me a time. And it was the same time. Anyway, it was the same time I was on the on my knees with God. Mm. That to me is really an answer to prayer. Amen. You know, and not too many people can say that that happened mm-hmm. for them, but it did for me. And it was an abrupt change, you know. But I can tell you all things, you know, I, you know, even with his head injury, and even though he's doing well, I still look at him and I still see parts of him that I know are just gone Mm. and you know I have people telling me oh he's good he's good I go you know I'm his mother I raised him I know who he is you know Mm -hmm. but um anyway they had him there they had him there for about seven weeks at uh St. Luke's Mm -hmm. and uh, they had to teach him to walk wow they had to help him he was you know would do hoops I think he still has a problem with the one arm was. Anyway, he, uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird to watch your child learn how to eat again. And it was, you know, it's something that does, it does something to you. Mm-hmm. 
yes, he was awake, and yes, he was um, talking, you know. Yeah. Um, he was doing all those things. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> to watch him learn how to eat again, mm-hmm. how he taught him how to eat when he was a little boy? Yeah. How he taught him that? And um, he had uh, a kind of an infection when he was up there, too. And they were telling me he had a bladder infection, and it was like, I don't know. They, he, they said they, he was peeing at night, you know, wet in the bed, and he was peeing, and um, they couldn't figure it out, and they were testing him for infection. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so anyway, they actually, when they sent him home, because Aaron did come home, they, they had given him some kind of medications. It was uh, for, uh, obviously, seizures and for anxiety and stuff like that. And Because um, head injuries tend to get extremely angry, and they'll, they put them in rooms where it's padded and, and whatnot. Yeah. So, so they did all that. But, uh, so they had medications for him. Mm-hmm. And Aaron was never one for medications. And I remember coming down the Lewiston grade, and he goes, Mom, he goes, I don't want that. I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it. Don't make me take it. I don't want to take that. Hmm. And I looked at him and I says, oh, he was so adamant about it. I said, okay, Aaron, we'll see how you do. Mm-hmm. And we never put him on medication. Hmm. You know, he had his little bouts once in a while. But actually, he did better than most people do. So anyway, yeah, needless to say, Aaron came home with me. And then I had to run into rehab in uh, Lewiston. And I was living in Camia at the time. Yeah. So it was a long travel. And every few minutes, we had to stop and let him pee. Every couple minutes, we had to stop and let him pee. Finally, I called uh, Dr. Cronholm. He worked at uh, Clearwater, and I knew him. He's actually an Adventist doctor. He oh. was from, he's a urologist. And I called him, and I said, hey, I go, Aaron's peeing every couple of minutes. And he asked me a couple questions, and get him in here right now. And I says, okay. So we drove right to... The hospital, he took him right in, and what had happened is Aaron's urethra had closed up because of the catheters they put into him when he was at the hospital. Oh. So it was never an infection. Mm-hmm. And so we had a round of that where we had to take care of his urethra because it would close up and get scar tissue in it, and he couldn't urinate. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of a, an interesting thing. So, But God was good to me. Aaron has been doing really good. It's just amazing, though, that, like, you know, we read those stories in the Bible of how people pray or they go to Jesus, and they're like, you know, Lord, give me healing for my servant or my daughter. And then God answers in that moment, and they go home, and they find out, you know, God did heal them. But, like, that's your story, but it's not in the Bible, you know? Like, it's a miracle of biblical proportions, but yet it happened to you. Yeah. When I went down the hall, I did have it in the back of my head because mm-hmm. I had heard the voice of God talk to me. Yeah. And that's not the first time God has talked to me. Mm-hmm. He has talked to me. Yeah. But it's not every day, you know, and it's not under any circumstance, you know, it's usually something going on. But when I did come around down the hall and she came out, I didn't want to ask her. I was afraid to ask her what time. <laughs> Or when it happened, yeah, you know. And sure enough, it was the exact time mm-hmm. that I had been talking with God. You know, sometimes we think that he doesn't have an interest in, my, in any of our lives, but he does. 
He does. And even though Aaron has some deficit from that injury, and he does, he has, he has a deficit. He, he has, his, his uh, brain tends to be slower. Uh, when you look at him, you don't think anything's wrong with him. Yeah. He uh, went through a spell where he thought he could go in and, and visit with everybody at the store. And, uh, but the really neat thing is, is that uh, after he left, uh, we went to, um, we moved to Phoenix because we, I thought I would get more help with my family there. I had, my brother was there and my parents were there. Mm-hmm. And, and I did need help with Aaron. I was alone. And Jerry was working and it would be easier if I had family around to help, help with Aaron. Yeah. And so we did go down to Phoenix. And uh, my brother Tim was talking to me about a gal named Margaret Ayers. Mm. And she does a thing called uh, Whispers of the Brain. She's a neurologist, has a lot of degrees, knows everything there is to know about the brain. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, Tim suggested going to see her with Aaron. She is able to wake people up if they're in comas. Hmm. So I had kind of talked to him a little bit when Aaron was in a coma. Yeah. And I actually thought about flying her up to bring him out of the coma. Mm-hmm. But I didn't because he did, you know, wake up. So when we were in Phoenix, we drove to Hollywood because that's where she was. And she had a um, a clinic there. And what she does is it's a feedback on a computer. So what happens with the brain? You know, when the brain sees that you got a broken finger, the brain goes, okay, let's fix that broken finger. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The brain knows it's a broken finger. Yeah. But when the brain is broken, the brain doesn't realize it's broken. Mm-hmm. It doesn't see itself. Yeah. So what she does and her um, what she does with people that have this that have been in comas, that have had strokes, anything with a brain, they have a brain, they hook you up with like an EEG, you know, and they put all these little things on your head. Then they have a computer and the computer has a graft. The computer already on the screen is reading the brain waves. Well, the brain knows that ain't right. Something's wrong with that. Believe me, the brain knows that it's not right. So you're looking at the graft. Aaron has to look at the graft. There's a red line, and you have to keep this ball below this red line with your brain. Oh. So it's really kind of an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. She did more for Aaron than anybody. Mm-hmm. I never took Aaron to a neuropsych or any of that. What are they going to do for Aaron? Really? That don't work for people. And even the gal who invented this, she said, don't let them say that they can help you because they can't. Mm. They cannot help you. But she said, the brain can fix the brain. Mm-hmm. So when we walked out the first time, Aaron was able to walk more straight without, he was walking like he, he was drunk. He slurred, you know, after the injury. And uh, after that, he wasn't slurring as bad and he wasn't walking so goofy. Like, he had a wide gait. It was real weird. Mm-hmm. And, um, so um, we took him there, and then uh, when I came back to Kamei, we sent him back there for a couple of weeks, and he did really well on that. So, and anybody that has a brain injury really should look into that because it's really good, good stuff. But uh, God is really good, and you know what's wonderful is we can think out of the box. Mm-hmm. 
and he allows us to do that. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, without all the medications or any of that, has done really well. Mm. So I need to thank God. But that was a time in my life where, yeah, I, um, I, I can't explain it. Um, I'd be in traffic in Phoenix, and I would be so hurt that I would pray that somebody would sideswipe me and kill me. Mm-hmm. You just It's a hard thing to go through when you see your children like that. Mm-hmm. And I'd have rather suffered it than Aaron. Yeah. And I'm not one of those people that get depressed. I'm not like that. But I was just so heartbroken that I didn't think I'd ever get fixed. Mm. You know, He didn't know because he didn't know. <laughs> the brain don't know. There's something wrong with me. You know, Aaron did not know, mm-hmm. but I did. But anyway, we uh, actually has gone to school. He went to uh, a welding class. And being his mama, <laughs> I think he got hired on someplace there in Lewiston for welding. And I was real curious how, to, how, he, did, how he was doing because I am his mother and I do care. Mm-hmm. So they never get too old for you. So you make sure you tell your mother that. They never <laughs> get too old. And so I went in and asked how he was doing. They go, oh, you know, does good, but he's really slow. Mm. So um, they didn't keep him. You know, mm-hmm. But they did say he did the work. And then he went to school for uh, another uh, aerospace. And uh, he did well in school, but never got hired on for that. Mm-hmm. So, but he's doing well. He's working and getting ready to buy his own little, oh, his own little cleaning thing where he does uh, clean like uh, Riverstone there in Coeur d'Alene. He cleans that or some of the buildings there. So, Hmm. Um, and I think he'll do really well on that. That's my story with Aaron. Hmm. And I could probably tell you a lot of stuff. But I remember Pastor Huey writing me. And I was just going to mention this because I didn't know. He was talking to me. He said, one sentence in your letter that particularly struck me was this. I have caught the tears from heaven in the palm of my hand. Hmm. Only to find the tender mercies of God. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know how you feel in times like that. That is how I felt, that God was crying with me. Mm-hmm. And they were mercies. And God was merciful to me. Mm-hmm. My son is alive. Amen. But if he had been worse and um, never come out of it, I would have rather had him go. Mm. Because it's never the same. And you see him every single day, and it's like a death. And I was told, don't, and even the neuropsychs told me, they said, don't let anybody tell you, well, you got him alive. Mm. And he says, don't let them tell you that, because you really don't. Mm. And that is true. But Aaron has come around, and, and we have conversations. He's not slobbering or anything like that. Yeah. So it's been good. No, that's amazing what God did, just it is showing up. And, like, even... I mean, he did an outright miracle, but even just in sending you the resources to help, you know, one lady that helped you with the... Margaret Ayers. Yeah. Yeah. She's passed away. She's got... She had breast cancer, but oh. Mm. She actually woke up Rodney Dangerfield. Do you know that guy? He Mm -hmm. said... Oh, you wouldn't. He's (laughs) he's an actor. Mm. And he's uh, kind of a comedian. Uh, And uh, he had a tremendous uh, heart attack, and it put him in a coma keep him alive. He's, he was in a coma. And his wife 
wanted, before he died, to tell him that she loved him. Mm. So she had Margaret Ayers come to the hospital, and he, she woke him up. Mm. And she was able to tell him that she loved him. Mm. So it's, it's good to look beyond the medical field, because the medical field doesn't have all the answers. I mean, God's universe is so great, and like he gave us brains to think outside of it, you know. Modern medicine is good and it has its place, but like, you know, the body's so complex. It's a whole system. We, we don't understand the complexity of it. Mm. You know, I think there's a place, like you said, there is a place. And when you have an automobile wreck and something terrible has happened to you, then you need to go in and see the doctor. Yeah. But after that, then you need to take them home and put them on the regiment that will heal them instead of just masking the problem. Yeah, you want to heal their body. You want to right. feed them well. You want to right. Yes, help you do. Them. Yes, you do. And uh, he's he's doing good. And and I am thankful that uh, Swanee came and helped me with Aaron's green drink. Mm-hmm. In fact, when Aaron woke up, uh, the social worker came in and she goes, "All right, Tina, what have you been giving him?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Well, now that he's woke up, I'm going to tell you." <laughs> you know. <laughs> So they, uh, but I had been giving him herbs, yeah. And then what's funny is when they gave him the peg tube, they they were treating him. Well, they gave him penicillin, mm-hmm. and they were giving him something else. And Aaron right away started breaking out in hives. Oh, right away he started breaking out. And so bless their hearts, they had to take him off everything. And that was it. And and then the, they all went away. Aaron does not take medications. He doesn't do well. At all, mm. so it's a good thing nobody gave him that stuff. But yeah, but he's he's doing good, and I, I trust me, I have my moments mm-hmm. when I I look back on things and I could cry, I still could cry, I could cry, but God is just, He was merciful to mm. me, to me, even though Aaron's been hurt, He was so gracious to me. Mm-hmm. He let you have those people to comfort you. And even if they weren't many, he was beside you through it all. He actually was. In fact, um, to tell you the truth, I never felt closer to Mm. God. You know, and it is true. I think, you know, on the way to um, Spokane, there was one song I used to always sing. And it went, thank you for the trials Mm. that it will bring me close to you. Help me, Lord, to smile when things don't go the way that I want them to. Mm. And if I suffer pain, help me that I don't complain. But thank you, Lord, and praise you just the same. Mm. And it goes on to say something like, And when I think of you upon that tree, I know that what you did, you did it just for me. And so until my days on earth are finally through, wherever I am, I'll go there with you. So what do I have to complain about? Mm. He went through it, and I, he was good to me. Mm-hmm. And I sang that all the time. That's the only song I could think was thanking him for the trials. And it did bring me close to him. Mm-hmm. And it is true that when we go through trials, we get closer to God. We do. There's no one else that cares about you, but he does. Mm-hmm. There's no one else that can understand or no. sympathize, but God can. 
There's a quote I read recently, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was kind of similar to the one you mentioned about like how God cries with us, how he feels our pain, and even when no one else can sympathize or understands why we're even upset, God is there with us crying. And so it's just kind of such a cool thought that, you know, you don't have to understand your own pain, and it's okay to feel it, but God knows what you're going through, and he'll be right there beside you. He will, but you have to want him. Mm-hmm. And you have to stay And you there. can't blame him for something that he didn't do. Mm-hmm. And I knew that with Aaron. And, you know, I see so often women who go through this and they blame God. But that's not fair. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it. Yeah, we have an enemy. We do, and he's alive and well. And any chance he has to destroy anybody for any reason, mm-hmm. he's going to do it. He will. Do you know it says that when we have these little trials, you know, it gets us ready uh, for the big ones. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a big one, but I mean, but um, even the small everyday things are just preparing you for those big things. Because right. if you're faithful in that small things, if because you knew God, you knew His character, and you trusted in Him, and that's why you knew that God didn't do this, and that's what gave you the strength to stay close to God through it all. Because yeah. Otherwise, I'm sure you would have fallen apart. I mean, you were even with God. That's. Do you know my favorite book of the Bible at that time was? Hmm. Job. The uh. book of Job. I read Job and Job and Job. Oh, I could. Oh, you would put me six feet under, and I thought, oh, Lord, I sympathize with Job. I said, please, Lord, <laughs> this is my prayer, you know. Mm. But I did sympathize with Job. That was my favorite book when I when I was going through all this. And I read it and read it and read it. And it sounds probably bad, but, oh, I could sympathize with him. You mm-hmm. know? So I would read Job. But I just, you know, I you know what I'd like? I, I would like to be able to help other people, you know, that are going through that. And I did offer services, but I never heard from anybody at St. Joe's. Hmm. You know, what's really interesting, though, is that after Aaron was kind of living on his own in Coeur d'Alene, he was at a friend's house, and there was snow on the ground, and there was some kids playing around out in the back, teenage kids on the road. And this one young man was on a snowboard, and he had a rope behind a car. And what happened, this is when Aaron was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, This kid was uh, being pulled, and he did a flip, and he hurt himself uh, doing this flip, and he had a brain injury. And Aaron went out, saw the kid. Now, this is Aaron, right? This is where he's, he's out of it, but that's Aaron looking at himself. And he was so taken with that that he actually went to the hospital with that kid he talked with the parents, and he told the mother, hey, call my mother, call my mother. And uh, I don't think she ever did, but Aaron, no, maybe she did. But anyway, I was telling her, you know, to help dry up the blood right away in the brain is cayenne pepper. Mm-hmm. And I told her of me putting uh, castor oil packs on Aaron's head. Thought I was crazy. <laughs> so here's Aaron in the bed, you know. He's got castor oil packs. He had a cloth, and then he had a plastic over that. 
it was pulling out blood. So I'm okay with that. I'm I'm crazy, but I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but anyway, I was talking to her about it, and um, I prayed with her, I think, on the phone. And come to find out, uh, she was an Adventist, but she wasn't, you know, going to church. Mm. And uh, so uh, I sent her a card really quick, and then I found out that he had passed away. He wasn't. He never came out of it. And he was oh. just, I think, 19. He was pretty young. That's 18. so sad. And uh, every so, I sent her a Steps to Christ. Never heard from her. Every so often I'd send her a card thinking of you. Mm. Because even though two weeks have passed away, you know, from the time of that accident, that don't go away for a mother. Mm-mm. It never goes away. So I would send her a, a little card every so often and tell her I was thinking about her. Mm. But I don't know whatever happened. And Aaron actually stayed in touch with him. Mm. He was concerned, you know. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's amazing how, like, just to come, coming out of that, you know, you have so much sympathy and experience to share and just to want to give that back to people to help them because yeah, it's... There's very few people that can sympathize with that situation, so right. if you can talk to it, you know. Yeah, I don't, you know, the doctor, we had, a, I had a neurosurgeon, you know, he'd come in and he, t- the one, Solonik, I liked him. So he saw Aaron, and the other one was Alan, I think it was Alan, he was Adventist. I did not like him. I No, I'm not kidding. He was not anything what he should have been. Hmm. And uh, so when he would walk in, I'd walk out. Hmm. I wouldn't even listen to him. He said something to me, and he was standing behind the nurse's station. And I think uh, he, he very, very matter-of-factly, well, he's not going to wake up. And I'm standing there, and I'm looking at him. And, you know, I'm just crushed mm-hmm. when he, the way he said it. And so I, I turned around, walked, grabbed my purse from Aaron's room, went down the stairs, got in Aaron's Volkswagen, went down that one hill going towards the bridge, going to Clarkston, mm-hmm. and screamed at the top of my lungs. I didn't want anybody to hear me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's something to be said about bedside manners. And just from brain to be sympathetic. Cause yeah. It's, it's not easy to go through that, and just no. words can be so powerful. Yeah, but Solonek was not like that. He was... So I liked him, and I would and I would talk with him. But Alan was the the main doctor for Aaron, mm-hmm. and even after Aaron got well, I never took him in to see either one of them. Mm-hmm. And he, what can what are they going to do for him? You know, I mean, nothing. So I just I just kept just never went back. Mm. So well, he got better, and praise God, he for did. That. He's got a child, and he's married, and well, drives. Mm-hmm. You know, just he's doing good. Um. God definitely heard your prayers and heard your tears and cries. And not only is he alive, but, you know, he's living a life. And he has family and he has meaning and purpose. Like, that's amazing. Stay true to God. Amen. Because you never know. Mm -hmm. And he'll be with you through those trials, even when they don't make sense or when you're in the thick of it or you just don't want to be on this earth anymore. God is right there. And he's probably the closest in those moments. We just have a hard time seeing him through all of oh, our Oh, no, I saw him real clear. Mm. From my experience, no. Mm-mm. Mm. I saw him. Amen, though, to I be able him. to see him and to testify of that. Yeah. 
when I get to heaven, I'll say, okay, Lord, what was the plan? <laughs> <laughs> why did this happen? Because we don't always understand why those have had to happen no. or the full meaning of it, but we just have to trust him because there's something greater going on. Yeah, it was a really neat experience in a way. I, I remember playing jacks with Aaron, trying to get his hand-eye coordination, and <laughs> boy, that was, and that was my idea, and we're sitting on the floor, and the jacks, I mean, the ball was going everywhere, you know, so I'm like, okay, Aaron, let's try it again, and mm. now pick up one, you know, and oh, I had a lot of fun with him. Mm. I did. I mean, everywhere we went, especially after the injury, I mean, I would hold his hand, here is this big kid, and he's holding his mama's hand. But, mm. yeah, just, it was an experience. And mm. I just praise the Lord that um, God is so good. But even when we got home, Jerry put him on the bike, his bike. You know, where I lived in Valley View, it's a figure eight. Mm -hmm. And it's straight, you know, you go straight down. And I said, oh, my land, you can't let him ride that bike. <laughs> he goes, oh, he'll be okay. And I'm like, oh, panic. <laughs> He was okay. He was okay. Mm. And I'm like, oh, he couldn't even walk right. You got him on the bike. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much my, the one major thing in my life that happened. Well, thank you for telling your testimony, Tina. I, I really appreciate it. I, it's definitely not everybody's story, but it definitely testifies and tells how great God is and how close he is to us. Yeah, I kind of like him. Mm. He's kind of nice. Sometimes good. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you really, you got to look at that uh, in Psalms. It says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? Mm. And without thee, there is no other. Mm. There's nothing else. Without God? No. Yeah. There isn't anything. You know, I think my major concern, I think about Aaron, was I wasn't sure where his heart was. Mm. You know, it's one thing to say goodbye for today. It's another thing to say goodbye for eternity. Mm -hmm. So my heart was more concerned with that. That, yeah. And God gave him back to you. Oh, he did. He's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Tina. I really appreciate it. I think that's a, it's a great perspective to have going through that, to come out of it and to still be able to say, you know, God is good despite all of this chaos that happened and all of that sadness and sorrow in her yeah i trusted him yeah. to do the whatever he needed to do with aaron mm -hmm. who am i to say anything mm. like i said he loved him more he loves him more than i do mm -hmm. he died for him uh, i'm a mother i'd probably die for him but i don't have that love that god has and god has a deep love for each one of us mm -hmm. and i wish you know the world would see who he really is and not get confused that he causes these things because he doesn't mm -mm. what does he say he says i have only good thoughts of you yeah and that is true he has good thoughts of you Amen. he thinks of you all the time mm. you're on his mind 24 7 isn't that such an amazing he's busy thing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us <laughs> for sure <laughs> he's busy mm. i think we're done all right all right, everybody, tune in next week to hear Kylie recording somebody else. Bye! If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page. 
that is God is Real, God is Good podcast, or you can email us at God is Real, God is Good podcast at gmail.com. Bye! Bye.